All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms To the line, Hughes scores! In this existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation live on YouTube, available on all your podcast platforms as well. The podcatchers, as they call them, harm. That's going to be word of the year uh, in 2023. Take my word for it. I got a special word today to get to as well. But first, before we get diving into the Canucks Conversation, oh, our the Friday people are gonna special. Get that. Yeah, that one. <laughs> you know what? The, they've done this before with the word of the day. It's just a French word. Don't spoil it. You can't it. just Don't. use French words in English and call it anyways. We'll get to all that in a little bit here. Harmon Dial joining me here on Friday here, filling in for David Quadrelli. It's Fridays with Harm, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic, which we will be doing something with in just a minute here with the great folks at Zephyr Epic. But first, we got some uh, some money to give away to start the show here on a Friday. You love to do that on a Friday to set up the weekend for somebody. So we've been doing our Montana's gift card uh, giveaway, which you can find on uh, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere. All on the social medias. Check it out. Uh, we're giving away gift cards last week. This week, the grand prize next week as well. So lots to give away. Make sure you check it out. Uh, the daily deals at Montana's. That's what you want to hit. We got the comfort menu. The wings on Monday. We got the kids can eat for $2 on Tuesday. The $5 tacos as well. You get those. We had those tacos the other day. They are that big. As big as they look in the photo, they are that big. They were excellent. Uh, so check out the daily deals as well as the comfort menu. We sat down there at Montana's earlier in the week on Tuesday, asked for the comfort menu, got the whole thing, everything on the comfort menu. It was all excellent stuff. I had uh, good lunches for the next couple of days, even though I was waking up at lunchtime. Anyways, good stuff in Montana's. Here's our winner of a $50 gift card. Twitter user Trevor Goche at TDGoche49 on Twitter, congratulations, Trevor. If you're listening to this and you're in the YouTube chat, let me know. You are the winner of the $50 gift card uh, brought to you by the great folks there at Montana's. Look at that. Nice graphic there, too. TD Goche 49 on Twitter. Trevor, congratulations. Harm, you're here on a Friday. How you doing, man? Doing great as always. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's my weekly time to retweet that Mr. Krabs. Congrats, Sailor. Mm. You made it to Friday, <laughs> which is my highlight of the week. You got the sun shining. Big week of uh, Canucks action. I'm pumped. Yeah, it was. We didn't have a, a show with you in here last week. We uh, obviously had trying to take a week off, and the Horvat situation kind of hit. I'm sure we'll touch on it like a little bit, but I feel like everybody's heard our opinions on it anyway. Seen you writing about it at the Athletic uh, as well, of course. So we'll we'll kind of dive into some certain things about the future. But before we do that too quickly here, a new tradition we're going to have here on Fridays because you are brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Go ahead. Rip one, Harm. You got a pack right, over let's there go, let's go. of the 2021-22 Metal Universe Skybox set. These cards are incredibly cool looking. I tell you, they're one of my favorite uh, favorite sets so far that we've opened so far yet. Uh, as you struggle with the uh, the wrapper, you and Quads, same thing. Uh, but these these cards look amazing. Zephyr Epic, use our promo code Hockey Season capital H, capital S, all one word, all great stuff. Zephyr Epic, they got the Pokemon, they got the hockey cards, they got the basketball cards, the Magic the Gathering, the Yu-Gi-Oh, all that fun stuff uh, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Got you got it there? Yeah. Okay, attaboy. I was wondering uh, how, long, uh, how many more card types I could name off there. So let's just rip through that thing real quick. Let's see what we got. Uh, Commander Vander, I see in the chat as well. We ripped a few. We I think we ripped a couple of these at the Zephyr Epic store when we were out there last week. Lisa's hoping for a Pod Colson card. Mark Andre Fleury. Okay, that is a cool looking card there. Hawks. Wow, that looks. Strange. Any Canucks in there, Harm? You got a seven uh, seven cards in these packs. Lafreniere. Okay. Hopefully, a future Canuck. There we go. That's a cool looking okay, one. That's, I've never seen anything shaped like this. That's a very that's cool looking cool. card over there. All right. Gibson, 
It's live. Nothing, nothing crazy. Keith, burn this one. Chuck that one away, yep. Goudreau and Calgary, burn that one. Okay, not too bad. Okay, you got to talk your way through this one. I'm going to rip mine very quickly here. It's F for Epic. The Skybox set, Metal Universe. These cards look awesome. They're great-looking cards. Metal Universe. Okay, I'm ripping it. You got to talk my way through this, Harm. Tell us about what you did today. Jeez. Uh, today, I woke up late, 10.30. I was up writing last night, and then I tweeted out my Reclamation Projects article. I wrote, like, Canucks trade deadline targets, colon, 10 Reclamations Project to consider, and I didn't even include the link to it. It was literally just a text, and I realized only hours later when I went to tweet the article again that, oh, my God, I forgot to include the link. So it's uh, it's been a funny start to the day. That type of morning. I got a rookie card of Quinton Byfield, a Prospects. Very cool-looking card. That's our stuff. We got to figure out just, like, a little bit of a better way because can't, we can't be putting the mics down to open up the packs. I know, yeah. It makes it really difficult. I But we talked about this last week on the show, or this week on the show, Quads and I did. Like, I don't know if we want the handles for our mics. Like, I like holding on to the mic a little bit when I podcast. I do as well, yeah. Like, it's a different feeling, I think, if you have just the mic hanging there in front of you. I, I like this way. But it does make it difficult for opening, like, you know, packs of cards and stuff like that. It makes it extremely difficult. So, I don't know. I'm up in the air. You're what, you're in the holding the mic camp? Yeah. When I, anytime, like, when I ordered a mic for uh, my place at home, same thing. I mm-hmm. actually loved the idea from, I had uh, obviously guessed on your guys' pod for a long time. And even on uh, Dmitry Filipovich's original PDO cast before he signed with Sportsnet, he had these same sort of mic setups, and I love just being able to hold it in your hand. Yeah. I like it fire. Too. So much better. I got. Uh, can't forget to mention the BC locations for Montana's. Uh, they got it in Fort St. John, Kelowna, Langley, Nanaimo, Prince George, Swasson, and Victoria. We loved the stuff out there at Swasson. All right. Let's dive into uh, the Vancouver Canucks a little bit. There's... There's a lot of ways we can attack this. We can attack it by talking about the games that we've seen played, but we only get you here once a week, Harm. So I want to dive into kind of some bigger stories from the team. Talking about success, because success at the very start of the Vancouver Canucks' season was going to be making the playoffs. I think that's pretty safe to say. A successful season for them, when they looked at it from training camp, was making the playoffs, seeing what happens. That's kind of where it felt like this team was at. You look at the remainder of this season now. You've already traded your captain. You have a couple players that look like they could be on the trade block as well. This could be a very different looking roster from the the opening of training camp to what we end up seeing here in February and March. What is success for the Vancouver Canucks over the remaining games here? I'm thinking of just not necessarily one big picture thing, but let's just touch on some things that would be wins for the Canucks as they move on here. And the first thing I think is what I want to start off with is losses, right? Like the first yeah. the first big win for the Canucks would be a lot of losses, getting them as much of a chance at drafting Connor Bedard and winning the lottery as possible. That, to me, is the first very obvious win. Tanking as hard as you can and getting the, the highest percentage for an opportunity at the draft lottery to be able to select Connor Bedard number one. That, to me, is the big first win. For sure. No doubt about it. It's no matter what else happens... With the on-ice product, if you can land an elite fran- potential franchise player at the draft around the even fifth overall, sixth overall range, you maybe get a little bit of luck along the way with um, with some, with some even like, it doesn't even pertain to even winning the lottery necessarily, even just hoping that if you're, for example, sixth to bottom or fifth to bottom, that no team ends up 
sort of from behind you ends up winning one of the two lottery spots mm. so that you sort of go down a, a slot further. So 100% it's draft lottery posi- positioning. Beyond that, I think they have to maximize their ability to acquire assets at the deadline. So with Luke Shen, for example, figuring out a way to extract at least hopefully a second round pick, if not more, with the LTIR space that they have with Ilya Mikheyev opening up, figuring out a way to acquire or, or take other teams' bad money short-term, whether it's just for this season or this season and next. If you go down, feels like every contending team, they have at least one bad contract that they mm. want to get rid of short-term because they're all up against the cap, and for them to be able to add, they first need to be able to get rid of some salary. So... That that really stands out, and then I think beyond um, beyond that, in terms of specifically on ice, what we want to see from this team, I think development from the young players, Vasily Podkolz and Nils Hoglander, once he eventually comes up, I'm sure we'll see other uh, younger players from Abbotsford sort of come up. But you want to see Podkolz and Hoglander start to find traction again because they showed a lot of promise. Both of them did in their respective rookie seasons, and it's been tough sledding for them since pod Colson obviously coming up recently and he's played pretty well i'd say elevated up the lineup to play with uh with miller in a line that was uh pretty successful last night outside of that i'd say resuscitating the trade value of some of their expensive wingers so whether it's a besser a bovillier a garland mm. figuring out a way to ensure that they're productive and juicing their value and then overall, I think from the coaching staff is going to want to prioritize just being able to start instilling some better habits and mindsets with respect to puck management, with respect to back checking, with respect to wall battles, with respect to just how much they care defensively. It doesn't necessarily need to even show in their defensive results because you still don't have ideal personnel. You still have a lot of problems in that. So it's not necessarily about the goals against going down, but in this past week, the, the three games that we saw against uh, the New York area teams, even though the goals against have still been pretty high, and you wouldn't look at any of those games and say, wow, what a defensive clinic. I think you could at least appreciate that the effort was always there in terms of how disruptive they were in all three zones on the four check. Players, I think, being in better positions. There are still breakdowns here and there. There are still turnovers. You still have situations where Kyle Burrows is caught up the ice or someone in the the D zone doesn't pick up a man in the slot. But by and large, I've liked the effort a lot better. And it's been a more entertaining brand of hockey. So I I, I think those are some of the priorities that I would be looking at in terms of what success is for the remainder of the Canucks season. Yeah, I think something you touched on there was, to me the way you talked about how the coaching staff, what they expect from their player. Like that's the big thing to me is set your expectations for what you expect on just working hard, being certain spots on the defensive zone when your coverage is up. Like I think setting expectations is the big takeaway that I would have from this coaching staff towards the players. It's what are they expecting when we go into training camp next year, right? Like what does the coaching staff need to see from a player to be a Vancouver Canuck next season? You have all this time here to, to establish that, establish who fits in there. Like, 
you know, Phil DiGiuseppe is on a pretty good run right now. Vasily Pod Colson looks good under the coach. Heck, Connor Garland, I think, has been a player who's looked much better under the new coach here as well. Like, I, to kind of round up your whole point, I, you mentioned these things, and I kept saying, check, check, check about the Rangers game, where you got someone like Connor Garland scoring a goal, boosting his value as a winger. A young player like Vasily Pod Colson scoring a goal, you know, getting a, a little bit more confidence for him now that he's back in the NHL. It felt like that regulation then, loss, a regulation loss. So it felt like that game was exactly the type of like thing you'd like to see as the br- blueprint moving forward. And that was the game that had Elias the three goals. Scores, you still see, you still see hundred point his chase. Thing. Yeah. I seen somebody in the chat saying that, you know, the success would be for Elias Pedersen to get a hundred points and look happy in this environment. It's a very good point from yeah. Jeremy there uh, in the chat, because yeah, this is a guy you want to keep around here. Contract year coming up. Uh, next season that's an interesting one but that's the big thing like that was the blueprint for the Vancouver Canucks the rest of the season of like I aside because the Rangers game was the one that had the three goals in 50 seconds right like all these games kind of mangled together here but I'm pretty sure that's the one that had it was the, the one where the Canucks scored or Canucks allowed gave up three goals in 50 seconds was it the Ra- I don't or think that was, was the, the Rangers it was one the it was Devils, Devils one right the Devils game was that one so like you can or have those type off. of situations where most of the game, they played pretty good defensively, like against a really fast team. That's going to be tough. But, yeah, thank you, Corey. Jersey in the chat there. Um, I just think that you watch this team lately, at least anyways, and it feels like, like I don't want to say a different team right off the bat, but you can definitely tell that there's like a different level of accountability already. They're and fun. I think that's the way that Colton is – or not Colton. Uh, the way that Rick Talk is going to be with these type of players is just like – you need to be very accountable, and you're going to hear from him about being accountable. That's the way that I kind of see this situation playing out here for the next little bit. Yeah, and it's entertaining and gives you a reason to want to watch the games, actually, even though they may not mean a ton in the grand scheme of things because you look at the Jersey game. I mean, in all of these, actually, you look at Jersey, that's a team that's right up there among the league leaders in controlling possession, shots, scoring chances. Like, they're a five-on-five behemoth. Hmm. You look at the Rangers, they're expected to be a Dark Horse Cup contender. Again, obviously made the Final Four last year. And then the Islanders with Bo Horvat, they're a team now all of a sudden that is right in the thick of the playoff race. These are all teams that, now that the Canucks have lost Horvat and don't have Demko, the Canucks should be overmatched by a huge margin. And when you look at each of those games, the Canucks outshot all three of those teams at 5 on 5 Now, and the way that they did it wasn't necessarily we're going to sit back in in a defensive shell and park the bus because I don't think that's going to be fun for the players. I don't think it's going to work given the personnel, given the lack of two-way awareness. But we saw a difference in how many loose pucks they've won how tenacious they've been along the boards. They've connected play a little bit better. They, in the New Jersey game, for example, were able to... Like, New Jersey kills teams off the rush. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised at... Yeah, okay, the Canucks allowed some rush chances. There were instances where uh, forwards are able to get behind the defenders, but the Canucks were at least able to counterpunch off the rush themselves, right? You look at that Kuzmenko goal. You look at that Lazar goal, which came off of the Stillman pass. You look at uh, Di Giuseppe's goal off of uh, a great stretch pass by Miller. The team actually seemed to be transitioning the puck up the ice a lot quicker hmm. and actually, for once, being able to catch teams on the counterattack, which is interesting because this team, for so long, yes, they've been able to create offense, but it's been 
overwhelmingly on the back of their forecheck. And what you'll notice is when the Canucks sometimes end up playing teams that are able to move the puck proficiently from the blue line, then all of a sudden it can sort of create problems where the Canucks aren't diversified in the way that they're able to attack. And um, even going back to the Islanders game, look at how many times, especially in the first period, where the Canucks were just picking off passes uh, in the Islanders' half of the ice, which I think also speaks to, we talk about the Canucks improving their defensive, defensive results. With this personnel, I'm not sure how much better these guys can get in terms of their reads, the way that they make switches, the way that they cover the slot, for example, or box out in front of the net. But one of the ways that they can continue to improve defensively is by at least putting the effort and energy in to win pucks back in the other teams as half. I'm not even talking about the offensive zone necessarily, like like ahead of the, before the opposition's red line. Right. And that's where they've been really effective in these last few games. Well, I think that's the thing is not, not allowing an entry so easily, right? Like yeah. that is the step above, that's kind of the step before an entry you can still shut down an entry a step before it almost happens. Like yeah. that's the thing about the forecheck. I heard talk it talking about, uh, you know, having the second forechecker be a little bit more aggressive in that game. And he thought he saw that last night compared to the other two games, those little things like that, that are going to take some time to kind of adjust to at this point and see what the coaching staff kind of finds in what I believe is kind of like the bottom of the roster, but also the top of the roster too, right? Like the fact that Kuzmenko is not seeing a lot of ice time, under talk it that means something moving forward i mean it's it's a very early stage and it's not like it's going to be like this for the entirety of of kuzmenko's two-year extension that kicks in next year but it, it is interesting to me to think, think that this guy just signed a contract a week ago and this is where we're at very early with the new coach it, it's not the best way to start a coach and player relationship i think for kuzmenko but it's like you know then brock besser kind of moves into that spot and has a four-point night coach made the right decision there in the end it feels yeah. like it's not like i don't think kuzmenko is gonna have a five point night in that spot yeah you know so it is kind of like a feeling out process right now and i think we are going to see some situations where it's like you know i because I, I see this a lot like a lot of people the radio stations other podcasts just clips and stuff going around like everybody wants to talk about kuzmenko not getting the ice time and it's like things like this are going to happen under the new coaching yeah. staff right it's not going to be the way that it was under bruce boudreau with a guy who Love to play Kuzmenko with Pedersen. It's not going to be the same way when you bring in a new coach. And there's some things that Tockett wants to see from Kuzmenko before he starts to actually get that ice time back. For sure. Also, for Tockett at this point, it's not about maximizing everyone possible at the end of the season. Obviously, they want to win as much as possible. But more than that, it's about teaching. And as we were talking about earlier, setting the standard for next season. Raising the bar, really, in terms of what you expect out of players' two-way habits. Now, overall, Kuzmenko on the season, he's been far from the worst defender, right? Like, he hasn't... Sure, there have been games here or there where maybe he'll fail to get a puck in deep, or you don't like a play that he makes on the defensive half wall, or he's stationary at uh, at the point trying to uh, defend someone. But there are a lot of player, players, I think, ahead of the list in terms of uh, guys who've struggled defensively this season. But having said that, I don't mind Talkit sort of uh, right off the bat trying to hold guys to a little bit of a higher higher standard. I mean, look, if this continues and it, this is like, Kuzmenko's going to play 12 minute, twelve to 14 minutes a night for the rest of the season, then I'm concerned. Then I'm like, right. okay, what's going on? You're starting to stifle his offensive creativity. But 
like you mentioned, Besser was going, right? Like he'd scored the goal early in the game. And sometimes you've got to ride the hot hand. And, and it's not just about one player on your roster. It's about how can I maximize what every player on the roster is doing, especially because the Canucks realistically only have two centermen right now that wingers would want to play with in, in right. Pedersen and Miller because that third line, bless him, he's played his heart out, shelter drives, but that's not a spot you want to be in if you're a, hoping to be a top nine winger. It's kind of a, a black hole because drives can't distribute and it's kind of like it's the misfit line, really. That's where Besser found himself on for most of the season. Yeah, you're right. He's had to earn his way back to getting that opportunity with Pedersen. Now he's finally got gotten it. So... It creates a bit of, I think, internal competition as well, where guys are now fighting for spots. Everyone wants a plum opportunity playing with Pedersen. Everybody wants a plum, plum, plum opportunity playing on the first unit power play. And so even in that respect, it's good to have a bit of that internal um, competition, I think, especially because, look, if if Besser wasn't going, if he was really struggling and Kuzmenko was just bet, benched for the, for the heck of it, then I'd be like, okay, like, I'm worried here. Why is he only playing 12 minutes a night? But it's it's hard to argue that when a guy right behind you was playing that much better and then ended up having a four-point night. Yeah. You, you can't criticize that. I, I've seen this with talking a few times very early on is like he, and he's even talked about this in post games, but I think he's a big believer in making the changes to your lines on the fly when a guy's going. Like we saw it earlier, yeah. with D- like Dakota Joshua on the, like early on, he you know, gets an opportunity in the top six, and he was riding that spot. I don't think he was set in stone to play a full game there when he first started on like playing under Tockett in the top six. Then he plays good and he stays in that spot. I think Tockett's a guy who's going to ride the hot hand a lot more 100%. than we've seen in the past from the coaches here in Vancouver. And like Boudreaux never really did it right. Like he 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 wrote a hot line. Like if he saw the fourth line, he wouldn't break it up. Or if he saw the Pedersen Kuzmenko Mikheyev line going, it wouldn't break it up. But I think it's going to be interesting to see a player have a good night. And, and to even hear the other day when, when Tockett talked about, like, the five players that, like, weren't good that night. And, you know, he singled out Kuzmenko as one of them. I think a coach being aware of that and talking about that to the media says a lot. Because I think, though you're talking about the negative side at that point, he also is very aware of who is going. Right? Like, the five guys yeah. that were very good that night are probably the guys who are going to get ice time. And maybe be playing on a line together or a five-man unit if you include some defensemen. I think that could be an interesting way for the Canucks to work their offense moving forward because they have so much, like there are so many potential combinations for scoring lines with the Vancouver Canucks. It's limited now without Bo Horvat, obviously. Now you have to have JT Miller at 2C, Pedersen at 1C. You have to do that. Like I can't think of another thing that makes sense at this point. So you're a little more limited than you were earlier in the season, but there's still a ton of options on the wing. Like you... You can go with, you know, Dakota Joshua now can be a top six winger in certain times. Andre Kizmenko can be there. Besser can be there. Bovillier is there. Like, there's a lot of options, not to mention Pod Colson and maybe even Huglander down the road. So, I, I like, I'm fine seeing this thing of riding the hot hand a little bit as the season goes on because we haven't seen it enough. I, I like the quick adjustments because uh, on the VanCast on Monday, I was looking at um, first game that Pod Colson had played and he was driving the net and he was mm-hmm. trying to make things happen offensively. And I was thinking back to when he looked most dangerous this season, which was right at the start off the season opener. It was when he was playing with Bo Horvat when he had a chance with offensively skilled line mates. And when I looked at the lines that they were currently rolling with, they had Joshua in that spot with Miller and Garland. And I was thinking pretty soon here, I'd want to see Pod Colson in that spot, give him a mm-hmm. chance with other guys that can really make plays. 
and I like that talk. It didn't just uh, leave Joshua there for a really long time. It's like okay, immediately bang, went bang. All right, Podkol's in, in that spot. Yeah, and, and we saw it. Yeah, and we've seen the confidence that it's uh, given his game. It's meshed well for him. So I'm glad that we saw that uh, quick adjustment. And obviously, the counter argument to that is you've also got to be careful not to. Um, create an environment where players don't have a chance to build chemistry. Mm. You have That's to have the difficult part. Is yeah. If you're going with the guy who's going, are you messing with chemistry too much? Talk, it mentioned something it, interesting yeah. though, in terms of his philosophy with building lines, which was, which is basically what, what green has sort of said as well, mm. which is that he views line, constructing lines as pairs yeah. where he wants a con, like a consistent pair. And then the third piece can be coming in and out, right? So we see that with like Miller and Garland. Earlier, we probably would have thought it's Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Maybe it's Pedersen and Beauvillier right now. And uh, so that, I think, is a way to sort of maintain at least some semblance of uh, of chemistry. And you also have to have, I think, uh, a bit of gut feeling and instinct with it because if a player like Pod Colson's in that role, I'd almost be inclined to give him a little bit more of a longer leash because development is a really big priority as opposed to with Joshua. I'm thinking if he catches fire, that's great. But ultimately if there's one guy I want to give an extended look to in this top six role to see if he can grow and mature and develop, I'd much rather give that long leash to pod Colson or and, another young player. And you, not even just a young player, but I, I said this the other day, like with Bavillier, I don't think Bavillier should ever be higher up in the lineup than Brock Besser. Like, if you're trying to actually move Besser or build up his, you know, his value, whether it be to like get him going and keep him or have him on the trade market, like I don't think Bavillier should ever be in a better spot in the lineup than Brock Besser. Like, if you're if you're seriously trying to find him a new home or just trying to get that confidence back in Besser's game, no matter the case, like he should be on Pedersen's line as much as possible right now, I think. And especially if you're taking Kuzmenko off of there. Like, I can understand keeping Bavillier there early on. But Bavillier, like, is a, he can play left wing, right? So it's yeah. like they don't... It's not necessarily of a, a Besser versus Bavillier thing. Sure. I I just think that seeing it the way it kind of was running with Kuzmenko, Bavillier, and Patterson to start, I just... It didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I get that maybe you want to build up Bavillier's value as well but i think you have a lot of time i actually thought that line was excellent against new jersey yeah they were against yeah they actually were against new jersey i'll say that and i thought that line in general like i do think that there's some stuff in bavillier's game where like i think he's he's got good hands like he's pretty good hand-eye coordination the little things that i've seen in the corner battles and stuff he's also got to learn how to play with patterson right like there was i'd mentioned this on yesterday's show there was a point in the uh in the jersey game where patterson's in the back right of the zone of the offensive zone and Bavillier is cutting from the left half wall to the net and his stick is not on the ice. It's like up in the air, getting ready to like push on someone. It's like you're playing with Pedersen. Now you got to have your stick on the, like ask Andre Kuzmenko, put your stick on the ice. Like Pedersen's going to find you there. So I do think there's going to be a little bit of a timeline here for them to actually develop some chemistry together. I just, I think for this time right now, like today's date moving forward, like I would be playing Connor Garland, like keep him with JT Miller for a while here to try and build up some sort of value. And same thing with Besser. Cause I do think that I don't think you're moving Bavillier at this trade deadline, but I no. do think there's a chance you could move Brock Besser at this trade deadline. So I'd be playing him full stop with Elias Pedersen for the next three weeks here. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't mind it at all. Uh, the long-term track record shows that Besser's production definitely spikes when he plays with, uh, 
with Patterson and we saw some of the shades of that old chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. Gorgeous feather pass by Besser to set up Patterson last night. And it's going to be important for him to kind of build that confidence. Also, I think it's it could be a good test for Kuzmenko in the sense that, okay, like I don't want him playing 12 minutes a night, but does he have the ability to drive a line on his own? Mm. Right, it's obviously going to be a challenging spot if he's in that third line spot sure. because he's not going to have a lot of help. But look, if you're a five and a half million dollar winger now, that has to be the expectation. Is you if your production is only tethered to one player, mm-hmm. that's a problem yep. when you're making that much money, right? And I don't think it is. No, Kuzmenko has enough dynamic skill. We saw with the New Jersey goal, uh, for example, that's all him. Mm-hmm. Right, like there was a good stretch pass by Luke Shen, but the way you were able to take on Dougie Hamilton one on one, undress him, then snipe, very, very few players can do that. Yeah, that was probably to me like I'd have to think, but that might be the most impressive Kazmenko play of the year. I think. Yeah, I mean, how many guys in the roster could do that? Yeah, around a you know, I don't want to say a great defensive defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, but not a bad one. Yeah, he's a top like, pair defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's a big time move from a player who's in his rookie season in the NHL. Like, so it's not the worst for Kuzmenko to get that um, get get that sort of experience as well, because if he's let's say a player who can all of a sudden be productive anywhere in the lineup, then that's a bonus because you can throw a lesser player. Mm. And I'm not talking about Besser in this case, but even moving forward, you can throw. That means you can throw in some like a, like a cheaper player in that role. And Pedersen's so good that he'd be able to elevate that guy's value, and all of a sudden you could have a bargain contract. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when uh, when the Leafs, for example, they sign initially initially found Michael Bunting in free agency for super cheap because he had established himself as pretty much nothing at that point, and um, and they just played him with Matthews, and it's like, oh, Matthews is going to turn anybody into. A really productive player. Bunting's been great there. And then earlier they they'd play Hyman in that role. And then it's like you're boosting guys' value. And then when it's like when it's time to pay them, like in the case of like a Hyman, they're like, okay, that's fine. We can we we can let him go, and then and then just find another player for a million or two who can then just play on the top line again with with Matthews because we have other wingers, right. our other wingers like a like a Nylander or a Marner. They can drive lines on their own. So that's going to be an interesting potential test for Kuzmenko as well is to see what exactly is his capability away from Pedersen. It's funny because it's 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 more about that. Like this this reminds me a lot of the Pittsburgh model before. Like Jake Gensel scored yeah, 40 exactly. goals that's in a, a better example on a cap hit under $800,000. Like, you yeah. know, that's this is the... Then that's they'd the have interesting Shiri, thing. They'd have... Uh, They'd have a uh, rust for a while, like yeah. they just constantly fl- like throwing guys in Crosby's wing, and it's like doesn't matter who he plays with. And it with Pedersen, it's like it's different, right? Because they're listen when you know Crosby in 2017 was at a different level than Pedersen is. Of course, this season. yeah. They, there's things that Pedersen probably does better, but there was a lot of things that Sidney Crosby did better back then yeah. in those ages. It's like it, it's interesting because like I I just kind of thought of this like the way that this team is being built. You have the one strong defenseman in Quinn Hughes. You know, they had Crystal Tang. You have the two centers down the middle. It's just the Canucks centers aren't at the level that Malkin and Crosby were with that strong team. And that's why it's it's something that worked for them. And it's like we've heard Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford talk about, like, you know, 
how how they won cups in Pittsburgh, right? No, not necessarily I, I talking Pittsburgh. about the center thing, but yeah. just like the fact that they've done it and seen how to do it. If you do something and it works, you're going to remember why it worked and why you want to of try course, that again. Yeah. So I think they're taking a little bit of that here. But I do want to, I, anyways, I want to transition a little bit because I do want to talk about JT Miller a little bit here in this next block, 40 chess. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Because I just, like, felt like we've made this joke for, like, especially the Jim Benning time. It's like, is Jim Benning actually playing 40 chess with this move here? And we've heard from this management group, and we've heard from Jim Rutherford, we've heard from everybody in that management group talking about this. This is a retooled, not a rebuild. This is a short-term thing. My question has been, with some of the moves, it doesn't scream rebuild, but at least when the Canucks talk about retool so much, I wonder if it opens the door for an actual rebuild. And like, could this be a situation where the Canucks could do a strong, strong rebuild? It would include trading Thatcher Demko. In my eyes, it would include trading JT Miller. It would be one of Besser Garland moving all of those guys out and just trying to get the, I don't know, there needs to be another level in between the retool and the rebuild. Because I don't think rebuilds are as long as they used to be anymore either. Like in the, in today's day and age, the way that you can utilize cap space during a rebuilding period, you can turn things around pretty quick. Like, you know, Quads always brings up the Montreal Canadiens, what they did in the past 12 months. They have initiated a rebuild and they've also gone really quickly into the retooling stage off of that almost at this point, and now still have a bunch of picks to deal with at that point. So if the Canucks have been talking about a retool, what moves would signify to you that they may actually be playing 40 chess? Cause I'm, I'm saying Thatcher Demko, 
If you move him, you are rebuilding. Like you are not competing next year or the year after if you move Thatcher Demko. You if you move on from the JT Miller contract, like to me, bravo, that is a rebuilding move. You are not going to be going for the playoffs next season if you move someone like JT Miller for a prospect or a pick or whatever it may be. So what to you would be some of those things? Where do you want to start here? with? with yeah. If they are playing 4D chess on a rebuild, not a retool. First of all, I don't think they are because yeah, yeah. why? then why would you sign Kuzmenko yeah. when, I mean, you look at Tarasenko who has a more proven playoff track record, yes, but he also only has 10 goals this season. He's been barely productive. Mm-hmm. And uh, after adding Mikola, the Blues found a way to um, to get a first-round pick out of it. And... Tarasenko has like a seven, seven and a half million dollar cap hit, and he has a no trade clause, so it limited their suitors. So it's like, right? Like, it, if you're rebuilding, there's no way you would have. You were out there a month ago a, screaming because Manko's not going to get a first round pick. Like, I'm like, you are so wrong. He would have got you a first round pick at this draft or at the deadline here. Yeah, because of that contract. But anyway, contract and production. I yeah. So that's why initially I don't think they are. But if if they let's say had a change of heart. I'll say this. I don't think it has anything to do do with Demko. I don't think it has anything to do with Miller. My indication would be, what are you going to do with the cap space? Hmm. Because they're going to at least have some in the offseason, even if it's just with what was left behind in terms of Bo Horvat. They're going to have some cap space for the rest of this season, obviously, because of Mikhail on LTIR. Pearson can go on LTIR soon. My question is, what are they going to do with it? Because are in the in the off season, we've seen time and time again with this organization when they've been in this retool mindset rather than a rebuild, they've gone out and they've signed guys, right? They went out and and for immediate help, right? Back in what was it, twenty eighteen, signing Beagle, Roussel, Schaller, twenty nineteen, si- signing Meyer, signing Furland. You look at. Even this management group last offseason, what did they do with the cap space? They re-signed Besser. They re-signed Miller, clearly in an attempt to bolster the roster for this season. They signed McKayev. Those are all sort of win-now moves for for guys um, in in Besser, sorry, in uh, Miller and McKayev's case, who are over the age of 25. So that's my question. Are they going to go out in the offseason and then look to sign a centerman who can help them? Mm. On a sort of mid-range contract, are yeah. they going to go out and try and sign a 27, 28 year old defenseman like a uh, like a Damon Severson, for example, who's expected to hit the free agency market? Or if they're rebuilding, then what they would do is take on bad contracts, take on these three or four million dollar capets at last a season or two, and get significant assets out of it. So that's going to be my tell: is what do they do with cap space? Not necessarily with Demko or Miller, because I'll say this with Miller. You'd move him, sure, it may be a sign that you're looking at a rebuild, but honestly, even if you're retooling, it's probably in your best interest. Yeah. You look at Demko, right? Demko, yes. Theoretically, it would... You'd think, okay, like, are they going down the rebuild direction now? Especially because of how valuable that contract is. But part of it could also be... Like, you don't know until... until you see what they'd get back, right? Because think about a team like Buffalo, right? That needs goaltending. They have a pair of really highly touted goaltending prospects, uh, Devin Levi and 
uh, an NCAA goal, another NCAA goal, goaltender. I, don't, yeah, I can't remember. They're saying he might go his to, name, but um, he's not expected to sign there, right? Yeah. And so the point is, if you move Demko for a haul that includes a goaltender like that, who may be ready in two years, mm. especially in Levi's case, under uh, especially under Ian Clark, Eric Portillo. Yeah, his name. right. So if you acquire one of those guys in a sort of Demko sort of trade, and you expect those, you know, that goaltender to be ready for you as a starter in two or three years, hmm. then that still fits a retool timeline, especially if that guy is then on an ELC where he's providing a significant bargain. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating that that's what the Canucks should do. I'm just saying that that's an example of a trade you, you could look at swinging where, yes, you move on from Demko, but it, it may not necessarily signal that you're looking to blow things up. Right. I think the Demko thing is interesting because, like, to throw a wrench into that as well, say you get one of these goalie prospects in there, you also have Archer Silovs, who has been able to really gain a lot of experience this year. It's just the goaltending situation. Like, when I look at it next season, I wouldn't be confident. And the year after that, you still don't have confidence to be competing at that point. If you're talking quick two-year retool, which is like, you know, when Drance asked a question about three years and it was like, I don't want to say laughed at, but Jim Rutherford was like, like, oh, like three years. Yeah, we'll definitely be competitive by then. Like that doesn't happen if you move Demko, I don't think. Because I don't think there's enough, unless you really hit, unless yeah. you nail this prospect who comes in and he's a 22-year-old starter, which like how often does that happen? Yeah, or maybe they like Tristan Jari's local kid. He, you know, Rutherford and Alvin will know him well. Yeah, he's not a he's Clark guy, free though. Agent. He's not an Ian Clark goalie. Fair enough, yeah. but... I mean, that's a sort of example where it's like if you get that guy for free. Was it Cal Peterson is a name? Um, yeah. To see, like, I think he's the type of goalie that actually fits with Ian Clark's style. So, I, you know, when you look at L.A., they still have a lot of prospects and players that would be available. Like, they still have that. That's so much depth back there, man. Like, Helga Granz is still there. Uh, they added that Jack Sparks monster kid who's a right D. Like, they have a lot of players still in that system that could be moved for a situation it, like it is the cap space for me man because even under the betting regime that was the tell that was the tell because sure they could say oh we're drafting top 10 every year they could oh, like once in a blue moon maybe sell a player like alex burrows at the deadline when they like really had to and knew that they weren't, weren't going to bring him back but the biggest tell was that they never Ever, mm. ever weaponize their cap space. And that's ever. the thing with this team in the past offseason here. They were going for it. They were adding yeah. Ilya Mikheyev. They were lucky to land Andre Kuzmenko, you know, obviously on an on a, uh, ELC contract, so it's very different. But you mentioned they signed Brock Besser to a big deal. They were looking to compete. And that's why I think so much needs to change now. If you are going to go that way, you need to start with, like, I don't want to say fixing your problems, but just adjusting your problems, right? To to set it because I think you make a you can make one type of adjustment to retool. You need to make a completely different type of adjustment to rebuild, and that's what the Canucks management group needs to do here. It's like the decisions between the two need to be made here pretty soon because you want to see the direction of this team and how many players should actually be moved in the off season if you're trying to retool. Which players are actually going to stick around here? How's the leadership? Like, there's so many questions to ask about what this team is going to do if they're competitive in two years or if they're competitive in four years. And it's two very different roads to get to those points. Also, we're now just starting to hear some 
chatter but oh could the Canucks look to resign Luke Shen like come on no. are we serious like that's another thing where it's like that's another reason why I'm like I don't believe that these guys are really looking at a rebuild mm-hmm. is like because if you're rebuilding it's like you don't even think about it twice you sell them for the highest bit possible the only the only possible reason for that to sort of come out is if you're trying to which I don't think is the case would be if you're trying to sort of create this narrative for other teams and in the public that, ooh, we may resign him, so you better step up your offer. Otherwise, we'll just keep him. Like, unless you're... See, that's, this is what I'm talking about with the 40 chess. Like, talking about a retool. Talking about... The, are they set? Like No, see, I like, don't think I, so. I don't want to convince myself to that point. I'm talking about retool. They re-signed Kuzmenko. They're, like, putting all these smoke screens out, but no. they actually are 40 chess rebuilding. That's no, the way I'm not. looking at the possibility. I'm trying they're to be not. positive I, about it. I, I, I would love to be positive about it, but I'm not going to... Uh, unless I see what they do with the money, which that's another sign is Rutherford even going back to Pittsburgh. It's like the second he gets cap space, boom, it's gone. I'm mm, spending it. Yeah, that you're right. The cap space is so the way like I I don't have that faith until I see it. A, a talk is great, right? They've they've left enough bread bread breadcrumbs in the way that they've talked about so many different things, whether it's draft picks or young players or major surgery or the core. Um, the core, you know, doesn't need to be, isn't necessarily the problem that it's like, yeah. like there's enough, you can c- compile enough quotes to sort of believe either way. But when you look at their action, because that's, that speaks way more than their words. Every action to this point has indicated that it's a retool rather than a rebuild. Yeah. Commander Vander with a great comment here says, sadly, it's a delusion, Chris. Probably right. Well, let me talk myself into it. Have some. What's this? What happened to the going into the weekend positive thing here, Harm? I can't have Listen, a little positivity in my life. I mean, over. you're implying here that uh, I mean, you're pretty correctly implying here that a retool is uh, highly unlikely to be successful. But hey, I mean, I didn't say that 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 they're gonna <laughs> screw it up, even though they could if they re- retool. Very easily could. Let's uh, let's finish with some positivity. I wanted to bring up the stats from 5-on-5 five five play this season, specifically points per 60. Petey's number one. Elias yeah. Patterson coming in at number one on this. And like, I don't want to say that it's not even close, but like he is quite a bit ahead of Tage Thompson, who comes in second. Elias Patterson with 3.49 total points per 60. Um, then you got Andre Kuzmenko coming in at number 10 as well. What we're seeing with Elias Pettersson at 5-on-5 five five is just, it's remarkable, right? Like, there's there's a reason why this guy is starting to really get the talk around the league. When you're putting up points like this at 5-on-5, five five, you deserve the talk around the league about being one of these top players, being a top-line center. Like, it, it is incredible to see what he's doing at 5-on-5, five five, and you think, like, once once the power play points start to come, which I don't think they really have for him a ton this season, once those start to come, like, we are talking about a player who legitimately can get near a hundred points this season yeah. if he continues this way. And that isn't with everything that's gone on this season. It's why Canucks fans just like, I think need to look at Patterson as just like a life raft, right? Like, you know, like th- this is the guy to, to watch and enjoy as a Canucks fan right now. If you're just simply going to enjoy a Canucks game and watch a Canucks game and not worry about cap space and what's happening in years from now, if you just want to enjoy, at least you have Elias Patterson here to watch. Cause it, it is a nightly thing where he does something that impresses you. And now I think we've said that for a while where it's like, he does something every night that impresses you. Now it's like, he's doing two things every game that impresses you three things, every game that impresses you. And I think that's the stage of going from a star to a superstar is when you, it's not one thing every night. 
it's three plays every night where you're like, he might be one of the only people in the world that can do that play. And he's starting to do that, it feels like, pretty regularly. So, 100%. It's like not it. just the points rate either, because just in terms of he's got 39, 5, and 5 points now. Mm-hmm. That's... Uh, that's this. That's the most of any NHL forward tied with uh, with Jack Hughes. The only yep. player who's got higher total five and five points is Eric Carlson. So there's an argument to be made that he's been the best five and five forward in the NHL this season, hmm. which pretty pretty damn impressive considering the the amount of superstar talent in in the league right now. And oh. it's not just the offense, right? Because yeah. In that uh, in that New Jersey game, Pedersen, for example, blowing up Siegenthaler in the forecheck, just like EP forty train. Oh, the, boom, the train is rolling. Your tweets, I see, I see like harm. The only tweets you're tweeting out now are Pedersen hits. It seems like well, <laughs> all your highlights. I mean, it, you, know, you know your audience fun. though. It's <laughs> fun. Like I love seeing it, right? Especially because that was even as recently as last season at the midway point when he was struggling. People are like, people were like. And honestly, it wasn't even that they were wrong because you'd see it on a night-to-night basis. Uh, there was this thought of he gets knocked off his feet too easily. And again, it was true to a certain extent. Mm. He's looked so much more assertive physically. Even think back to preseason where it's like the Canucks were in crisis mode. And normally you're never in crisis mode in preseason, but the Canucks were like 0-4 or 0-5 in, in Abbotsford. And uh, it's like... People are already starting to panic. They're like, oh my God, is this season going to go off the rails? <laughs> and Pedersen, right off the first shift, blew someone up, an oiler on the forecheck, and then it, and that like set the tone and then ended up winning the game. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's captain material stuff. So that's been, that, that, that's been the sort of little things I like to see in addition to just the offensive dominance is a player who can help in a lot of different areas. And someone who isn't afraid of any aspect of the game right now. Yeah, I think he's he's playing some of his best hockey we've seen. It's been incredible to see the all-around part of his game be that good. I don't think there's going to be a day grin to Gallade at any point this season for him. I think he's going to keep this up as it goes on. Last thing about Elias Pettersson. Other Elias Pettersson. I got my prospect rankings finished up. Today at 1 o'clock, while we were doing the show, the article dropped. My number one prospect in the Vancouver Canucks system, Elias Pettersson. What do you think? Wow. that's That's a hot take. You know, you, honestly, you know your prospects more than I do in terms of um, the work you put into scouting these guys. I would not have Pedersen number one. I'd have Ratu. Yeah, I I put Ratu at zero because I wasn't haven't had the full time to evaluate. Oh, yet. Okay, fair enough. So I I do think there's an argument for Ratu there. Gotta see. A I, I bit think more. it's Ratu, and it's not even close. You think it's but, not even close? But you you know these guys a lot better than I do, so I'm not going to sit here on a, on a high horse and say you're wrong. That's the hard part with prospects is when one's 20 and one's 18, do you look at what the 20-year-old was doing at 18, or do you look at the potential of both of them at 18? Do you look at what they're going to be at at 20? Well, like, even Ratu in his draft plus one season, he like dominated yeah, he was the league. Was it 40 points in 44 games, something like yeah, that? Like, like it, was, that's, it was nearly a point per game in Yeah, Liga. to me, that's still more impressive than what Pedersen's mm. done in this uh, draft plus one, but yep. no doubt that he's been a great value pick. And with the sort of pro style that he plays, the size that he has, the the polished professional tools, because look, this guy, he's not going to be the sort of player who is overly flashy, but there's a lot of substance there that can translate very, very well. 
he's a pretty safe bet to make the NHL and make an impact. So. Yeah, the, the thing that I kind of talked about with like actual development with him in this article was, and I spent a lot. Like, man, the the reason I slept in until noon was because I was up till four a.m. two nights ago watching. I don't know. I probably watched fifteen games that day of Pedersen, and the thing that was like. The thing about his development is, like, you don't really need to see one part of his game, like, really improve. You just hope that, like, everything Steadily, continues yeah. to just – because he, the type of player he is is already exactly what the Canucks defense would need. Like, if he was right-handed, he's Elias Pettersson's partner in the future. That's what I would look at it as. I mean, and the fact – sorry, yeah. Elias Pettersson and Elias yeah. the blue line hey, together. you know what? It would be <laughs> hilarious. Uh, he also talked about uh, – because I talked to Elias Pettersson, DPD. Uh, earlier this week just awesome he he loves the whole like nicknames and him having the same name and stuff and like he knew what he was doing when when we asked him at the draft like who's your favorite NHL player like he knew what he was doing when he said Elias yeah. better like he loves it he think it's hilarious I'm um, glad he loves it because he's I think I've a lot this of before I would hate it if I was in that spot oh. I'd, I'd be like oh my god stop you're like the hundredth person to make this stupid <laughs> Haha, <laughs> Elias Pettersson joke. Yeah. It would drive me nuts. I, I, I think it's going to be hilarious eventually. Like when he is in the NHL and he's playing on a Hockey Night in Canada game, I wonder if they're going to say Big Tyler Myers more or if they're going to mention that Elias Pettersson has the same name. Oh as my Elias goodness, Pettersson, it's going to be like two hotkeys. It's right going to be like the 18 year old Sam Bennett yeah. thing. Like, Haha, <laughs> same name. Just yeah. like they, um, with Arbor Jackai. Mm-hmm. The fact that he, um, was bagging groceries at Costco or whatever, which is extremely cool that he's made that turnaround that quickly mm-hmm. but it's like it's mentioned like almost every time now you watch you watch a Habs game I think it'll become one of it, it could become one of those bits especially because the commentators like they're gonna have to you know say oh oh Pedersen passes the puck up the ice to whoever right so uh that's gonna be uh something to uh to sort of keep in mind moving, moving forward I think it's funny with that what you just said Wi-Fi there uh, bagging groceries at Costco. I feel like if you you don't bag groceries at Costco, you have the whatever. boxes. But I, like, I know, if whatever. he's there, he's gonna kick your ass and tell you he's putting it in a bag because yeah. that's the type of player that he is. So maybe he was bagging groceries. They're like, oh no, we'll take. The I don't box. think he's bagging. He's but like, whatever. no, like <laughs> I'm giving you the bag. Uh, all right, we'll wrap it up here with our Betway wrap up. Uh, got some bets. I was wondering if we could do tomorrow's bets. Betway didn't have them up yet uh, for tomorrow morning because the Canucks, by the way, they got a 9 a.m. start tomorrow morning. Are you excited for that, or how do you feel about that? Because I have a, I have some exciting things to like just enjoy during the day, so I'm kind of I'm fine with the nine a.m. start. I got a friend coming over from the island. I got uh, some some exciting stuff that night. Nine a.m. is early for me, but I, I wake up late in general, so mm-hmm. not a fan. Not a fan, but also I don't hate the. Actually, you know what? Now now that I've thought about it, I like it because get the game out of the way, then you have Saturday night to do whatever you want. Oh, you got Saturday afternoon to get into it. I'll tell you, when I was your age. That would be a day drinking day, but <laughs> not anymore. I learned my lesson last week. Let's get to our Betway, uh, Betway wrap up here, our Betway bets of the day. We got the Coyotes and the Blackhawks. I picked this one so that I could laugh uh, my way through it. Uh, two not very good teams. I got Jacob. Can, am I, I feel like I might be saying the last name wrong. Chitrin. Chikrin. Chikrin. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, Jacob Chitrin, over 3.5 shots on net, uh, plus 105 for that one. So you need at least four shots from. Chikrin. Chikrin. I don't like the way I say it. You're right. Uh, over, you see four more shots from him. Uh, $10 bet will get you twenty fifty on the return. And then we just bet on the over for total shots between these two. Uh, the Coyotes and the Blackhawks, 58.5 shots on net. So you need 58 or more. Minus 125. $10 bet will return you $18. I think I, uh, I sort of, uh, 
what do they call it? Marbles in your mouth uh, with the uh, word of the day. Messed it up a little bit here. Um, but uh, degringolade. See, like, it's just a French word, I'm pretty sure. And uh, we talked about it when uh, I said Pedersen. I don't think he's going to degringolade his way uh, out of this, what he's been doing this season. Oh, I couldn't even it tell means what you were saying. take a step back. Yeah, because I think I marble-mouthed it a little bit and wasn't great. But Anyways. also, like I said before, I my, my attention to detail, uh, my... How observant I am isn't isn't the best. Yeah, you know, I had that yesterday when I when I slept in till eleven thirty. My whole day was like messed. I just it was so much sleep. I slept in. I just like my whole day yesterday was playing catch up. And now uh, today I was up, drove my fiance to work at six in the morning, and she had to wow. get there early. Drove her at six. I've been up and going ever since. Now I'm way ahead, so it feels good to be ahead. But I got to go to Abbotsford tonight. I'll have a report on that over at Canucks Army. Be sure to check out. Uh, Number one of the uh, prospect rankings up on Canucks Army right now. Lots of video from Elias Patterson uh, in there. Anything you just dropped an article today as well? Do you want to talk about that before we get out here? Yeah, reclamation projects with uh, a lot. A lot of it in terms of you know Rutherford and Alvin have said that um, you know they uh, they want to target those sorts of players. So we profiled some guys around the league. Whether it's been uh, you know Washington with guys like. Centers like Connor McMichael and Hendricks Lapierre, where they re-signed Dylan Strom, and they have like they already have four centers locked mm-hmm. up, signed through twenty twenty four twenty five, in uh, in Strom, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Dowd, who's actually been really good. And so you look at Lapierre and uh, McMichael, McMichael, a couple of uh, first round picks who are in Hershey. It's like what's their path to the, to the NHL? Could the Canucks swoop in there? Guys like Dante Fabro. Uh, some intriguing options, and uh, I'll be interested to see if uh, the Canucks target any of those uh, types of players. Absolutely. We've heard them say they want to go at guys who failed off their ELCs or haven't done as great as you would expect off their ELCs. So I think we'll see maybe one guy off that list. One guy. Maybe two. If it's a really good list, maybe two harm. Maybe they'll pick two off your list. Uh, but that wraps it up for here for us here at the Canucks Conversation on our Fridays with Harm. Harm, thank you for coming by on another Friday. Of course. Super Bowl weekend. You excited for that? Let's go Eagles. Go Eagles. I like it. All right. We'll wrap it up there uh, for my co-host, Harmon Dial. My name's Chris Faber. Thank you to our producer, Alex Allard, as well. I forgot to mention Alex off the top of the show. He's not happy. There he is. I knew he was going to do something. There's my big old head outside of Rogers Arena on the YouTube. Uh, thank you to everybody <laughs> here in the chat. Uh, another great week. Like It's just incredible to have the a lot of the regulars in here, new people coming in here. If you're watching this, join the chat. Get involved. It's a great show. I appreciate joining with everyone here on the chat. It just makes the show that much better. Uh, Y'all have a great weekend. We will see you back on Monday. We're back to five shows a week next week, which I'm excited about. Haven't done that in a while. So ready to rock with the five shows a week. We'll be back next week. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. That does it for us here at the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?